being Latino, I felt like I had to try extra hard. You know, I, I all eyes were on me. You know, if if something was stolen or if somebody broke something, you know, I, I got blamed a little more than the rest of the kids, but it just made me try harder and it forced me to keep my nose clean a little more than the average 12-year-old, 10-year-old, you know? you feel like you're running life through the motions day after day? Do you feel sluggish with little energy to be able to spend time with your family? Do you feel like you're just not living up to your full potential? What if I told you you could transform your life through mindset and movement? Here on the Ecala podcast, you'll be inspired, be motivated, and be able to take action to become that best version of yourself. The Ecala podcast is for those who want the opportunity to better themselves through health and wellness. Here you'll learn tips from experts in their field, hear inspirational stories to help uncover your full potential. Now, are you ready to transform your life? Welcome back to the Ecala Podcast. I'm your host, David Gonzalez. Uh, we have a special guest today. His name is Juan Carlos Martinez, a.k.a. Don Juan the Barber. He's a father of five. He's the owner of two business barber shops right here in Fremont, California. In my opinion, if you ask me, the best barber shops I've ever been to. And he's been born and raised right here all day in Fremont, California. And also as well, he attended school in uh, San Francisco in the trade of barber. And like I said, if you want a good haircut, man, you got to go either over there off of Fremont Boulevard at Don Juan's, or you can head up to Mission Boulevard right there across, across the street from San Jose Mission and get yourself a good haircut. Great haircut. Too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm just telling you how it is. Telling them how it is, man. Tell it like it is. All right. Again, welcome to the Color Podcast. Thank you so much for coming and, and, and uh, allowing us to interview you, man. Um, so we have this thing that's called the Hang Loose segment. It's where I shuffle a random deck of cards with a bunch of random questions. And I'm just going to pull one question out and we'll see um, what goes on in that mind of yours by the way you answer the question. <laughs> yeah, let's check it out. All right. You start with a deck. Here we go. Pull from the middle of the deck. What are you currently most curious about? My curiosity right now is the future. You know, what the future holds for me and my family and for my neighborhood. Trying to contribute as much as I can to give us a brighter future. But, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes and hopefully I can create my own destiny. Man, that's what I'm talking about, man. And the only way you can create your own destiny is by doing it. <laughs> yeah. You know, by getting it done. All right, man. So you're born and raised right here in Fremont, California, man. Uh, tell us how, how yeah. was it growing up out here in uh, Fremont? Growing up in Fremont was cool, man. Everybody was real friendly. You know, I got nine brothers and sisters who kind of paved the way for me, honestly. Oh, by the man. time I grew up, <laughs> thing was a little easier. Everybody already knew my family and they would say, hey, there's a little Martinez right there. So I feel like I had an advantage, but honestly, um, it was real easy going. All the neighbors got along, you know, all the kids rode bikes, played baseball on the street, football. And for the most part, it was a friendly community. I'm glad I grew up at the time I did. 
And uh, how was it? Like, how was school? How was it going to school growing up? Like, uh, what kind of crowd did you run with? You run with the roughnecks? You run with the the the, the preppy boys? So, like, how was it growing up? Besides, like, I the area. Yeah, growing up here in Northern California, we pretty much have it easy. I would have some Chinese friends, some Indian friends, a couple black friends, Latinos. And, you know, I don't really know what exactly brought us all together, but we didn't really look at each other as in being different or, you know, you're from this neighborhood, that neighborhood, or, you know, you're Latino or you're white. It was more or less just what you were into. You know, you had guys that were into building bicycles. They were bike BMX racers. You had other guys that were your football jocks they were all into jocks and you know you had your car guys guys that would like to work on cars and build motors and stuff like that me personally I got along with everybody you know I I didn't really get stuck in one area I had friends from all ethnicities and guys showed me how to work on cars I learned a little bit on that I rode with the BMX crowd. I used to like to ride my bike. I was never really good into sports. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I was never very athletic, man. Being a chubby Latino kid, eating tortillas and holiday, it never gave me advantage of being into sports. But also, um, I think it was a lot because I was the youngest out of 10, you know, by the time I grew up, you know, my father was already in his fifties and sixties. So we didn't really go to the park too much to play catch or get into the soccer. Usually that was like uh, the parents, I would see my friend's parents pushing them to get into that lane of athleticism and I never really had that. I, I learned more or less how to work. You know, my dad had his own landscape company and he would take me in summer and my summer vacation was mowing lawns and trimming trees. But uh, I appreciate that because it gave me a good worth ethic and taught me how to save money and get to the place where I am today. Oh, man. Okay. So, man, growing up, the youngest of 10 siblings, how was that? You get picked on by your, by your elders, uh, your, your older siblings all the time? <laughs> yeah, you know that. You know, I was a bunch of that. But uh, it was cool. It was a good experience, you know. Teaches you how to be tough. You know, even the women in my family are tough. So, six boys, four girls, too much gun violence or stuff like that. You know, they would put up their dukes. You had a problem in the classroom, you take it to the back of the school, swab <laughs> it out, swab it out, and then hug it out. You know, usually you gain the most respect from guys you had a fist fight with and you become your best homies. Yeah, that's true. That's true, man. Some of my best friends, man, we actually got into it the most. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, so how was it? Like, um, was there any like particular struggles you ever been through as a kid growing up in the area out here? You know. By the time I was growing up, prejudice was coming not to an end, but it was calming down a lot. You know, I know my older brothers, they dealt with a lot of racism. You know, the majority was uh, Caucasian and there was maybe two or three Latinos in the class. 
one Chinese dude and one black dude, you know. But by the time I grew up, Fremont was so diverse. We didn't really have to struggle with that so much. But being Latino, I felt like I had to try extra hard. You know, I, I all eyes were on me. You know, if if something was stolen or if somebody broke something, you know, I, I got blamed a little more than the rest of the kids. But it just made me try harder and it forced me to keep my nose clean a little more than the average 12-year-old, 10-year-old, you know. Just like anything, we just had to really go above and beyond all expectations to get that recognition we deserve. Man, I know what you're talking about. And and um we'll go more into it. I'll you'll probably get that I'll get the answer right now. But like most people yeah. when they when they get discriminated against or dealing with a lot of prejudice or feel like they're always getting picked on because you know a certain color of their skin or the belief system or whatever it may be sometimes it could turn bad some people create hate out of that you know i've seen it i've seen some people it's like oh i'm they hate the world because like oh i'm mexican and they pick on me now i hate everybody and it becomes a poison but it didn't poison you it didn't poison you in a sense because like man i know you and uh you're a great dude. You're like you're very accepting of, of everybody, man. The barbershop community that shows up right there, Mission Barber, that I go to, like, is very diverse. So, like, how were you able to not get poisoned by it, not to have that hate in your heart? What drove you to be very compassionate, even dealing with these tough circumstances? You know, ever since a little kid, I've always been very observant. I've noticed a lot of situations, and even though people don't say anything, I can know what they're thinking based just on body language and and their attitude you know and ever since a little kid I always try to go out of my way to make people feel comfortable and i guess it helped me out because um in situations even when i knew i wasn't the smartest kid in the class i was probably the dumbest kid in class but on some quizzes or on some group projects, I would be the only one to pass. And I think it's because it wasn't like I was brown nosing because I didn't brown nose, but I respected people. You know, I was taught a long time ago that common courtesy and respect takes you a long way. And it it really did, you know, especially in my case, because like I said, I wasn't the smartest person, but people would like to work with me for the simple fact that I respected them and all ethnicities, anybody that I came across, they'd be like, we want Juan on our team, get him over here. You know, at least he acts right, that type of stuff. And it, it got me through a long ways. It really helped me out. Man, that's, that's good. Cause like, like I said, it's something like sometimes people get poisoned by being ostracized or being the pariah because of the color. And, and instead people, you were able to have that respect, common courtesy, which is mannerisms. A lot of kids don't learn these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my opinion, you know, but um, you were able, cause I know what common courtesy, how far it can get you too. like, it's a very, but it, it comes from empathy, having empathy towards people, you know, and you have that, like the way me and Juan met, I mean, the way I met you was uh, I was working for the Phoenix at the time. And I was looking to put an event on for uh, Valentine's day. We we're trying to figure something out. And then I talked to my bosses there and I was like, I know what I'm going to reach out to a, a barbershop, self-love. Like, man, you go to the barbershop, you look good, you feel good. 
you know, yeah. love yourself, you know? And, and then I called you, bam, they gave me the number. I went to Don's over there on Fremont Boulevard. They gave me your number. I talked to you and I told you what I wanted to do. I was like, Hey man, I work for, work for this nonprofit. We're helping people on sobriety. We would like to like connect to get people with some haircuts, man. The first thing that came out was like, let's do it. No, yeah. like no asking too many questions. It was like, let's do it. So that common courtesy to help your fellow man, like that runs deep, man. And would you say that comes from your household, right? It got to come from the household. It's a big thing. It, it is a big thing because um, like you said, when you look good, you feel good. And, and there's not as many people blessed as us, Dave, you know, people come from the streets, you know, a lot of people, they don't even know their parents. And a lot of that anger and hate to the system and to the world is because nobody showed them how to love. And when you're kind to somebody, they go, whoa, like, where'd that come from? I don't even know this dude. And he wants to help me out. So I basically feel like um, God's blessed me so much in my life. I got to give back. I got to help out. And, and with these, this is all I have. If I can give someone a good haircut, make them feel good about themselves. Even when I go on vacation, I went to Puerto Rico. I take my tools with me. I went to Mexico. I take my tools with me. And um, getting a haircut and a shave by a professional barber is a true luxury. And I feel like every man should experience it at least once in their life, whether it's for your birthday or, or a graduation, or even if you're just feeling down and out, you want to feel better. So I take my clippers wherever I go. I give people these haircuts. And it's like, oh, my God, look at me. Like, they're like, I never knew I could look this good. And it makes them feel good. Next thing you know, they're applying for a job. They meet a girl at Starbucks or something. They didn't have that confidence from within. And uh, I think it is a type of gift God gave me to um, share with the world. And that's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to, like, as cheesy as it might sound, is make someone give them a brighter day and and hopefully little by little make people happy man that's that's what i'm talking about like i work in the gym setting you know i coach here at crossfit of fremont and uh i love that feeling too about helping someone feel good about themselves giving them that confidence building that confidence because in that i like to believe that it translates to the outside they feel good then they may make somebody else feel good. And then it goes on and on and on. Hopefully you can pull us out of this mess that this world lives in nowadays, you know? Yeah. Um, what made you choose to be a barber though? Like, how did that plan out for you? Like, how did that just come up to you? How did it materialize? Well, it kind of, I never was born and, and went to school and was like, I want to be a barber, you know? Like I said, I was never too smart in school. So during high school, I was kind of trying to figure out like, what am I going to be when I grow up? And uh, first I thought, you know, maybe I'll go for a veterinarian. I like working with dogs. And then um, obviously construction and painting was always there because of my dad's business. But uh, to be honest, one day, me and a group of friends, we cut school. You know, we cut school and kids don't do this. But no. <laughs> and we were at the barbershop. One of my friends was going to get a haircut and I was watching this young barber. You know, he's probably like 22. He was still cool. He had some nice clothes on and I could relate to him. And um, he was cutting hair 
And I seen, we were like third in line and I seen everybody giving him 20 bucks. And he did like maybe three haircuts. So I'm like, man, this guy just made 60 bucks by cutting these people's hair. And, you know, we're watching a baseball game on TV. People were in there joking and laughing. And another barber was like eating tacos. He was taking his break. And I said, I can do this. You know, this is something I can do. And I grabbed some tools. I talked to that barber that day. And I eventually he sold me some of his old tools. And I started cutting some of my friends, started cutting some of my friends in the garage. And I was doing my own hair first. And they're like, who did your hair? I said, oh, I cut it myself. And they're like, oh, really? Everyone, obviously, when they see you doing something, they think it's easy. So they're like, let me borrow your clippers. Let me cut my hair. <laughs> and I was, you know, that ended up bad. <laughs> go ahead. But it didn't work out. So I would start fixing people up in the garage. I started getting really good at it, you know. And meanwhile, I was working construction. And uh, they would lay us off. Back then, we had a rainy season. You know, now we don't have any rain. But back then, when you're doing concrete, you can't work when it's raining. So I'd get laid off January, February, sometimes even March. So that, that would be my haircutting time. And uh, I got so, so good at it. I had people pulling up, all my friends. And uh, next thing you know, I had cars coming every 30, 35, 45 minutes. You know, my neighbors thought I was selling weed. They <laughs> They went to my dad and they're like, hey, Mr. Martinez, what's your son doing? You know, we noticed a lot of cars coming and going. And my dad said, oh, no, my son's a barber. You know, you want to get a good haircut? You know, and so people started coming over and checking me out. My dad says, you know what? It might be a good idea for you to go to barber college and just make this your profession. And I. That's how it started. My dad put me in college. I didn't have barber school was 10 grand at the time. So he let me borrow the money. And I went to barber college in San Francisco and it just took off from there. It really bloomed. Man. And, and it fits you. Like the way I'm taking it is like, man, as a kid, you were someone people wanted to work with. Someone people wanted a part of the team. Some people, people could conversate with and, and be around like, man, you, you go to the barbershop, like, man, you, uh, I love going to the barbershop because your conversation is like, uh, barbershop's like a place of information too as well. Like you go and I, I hear everything, man. You know, I learned about the city. I learned about all this good stuff. And that's another thing I wanted to touch on is like, for you, I remember one time you had mentioned to me was like, yeah, people come from uh, other countries, people coming from other places around the, around the U.S. or outside the U.S. And they move to Fremont and, you know, they need us, they need to start their life. They need to find places of business that they can trust, uh, people that they can trust. And they are, you got to trust your barber. Like, that's first and foremost. That's like, if you don't trust your barber, you, you have to trust your barber, you're going to end up with a bad haircut, you know? Yeah, so like, they go there and they trust you. And I remember you're like, yeah, man, hey, you know what? Bring your flyers. Bring your flyers from the gym. Bring your flyers from this. And then I've seen it too, where people are just showing up with business cards and giving them to you. And then I see how you promote local businesses. I see how you promote the city. Like what Fremont is like, Hey, this is Fremont. Check this spot out. You want a mechanic, you want a gym, you want yeah. windows fixed construction or whatnot. 
what drives you to do that? What drives you to, to lend that hand in, in promoting people and, and, and process and providing that information to new people? What, what drives you to do that? Well, I'm happy that, that people have, like you said, confidence in me in the first place to ask for help because a lot of people don't, you know, we have troubles, problems, and no one asks for help. So when they ask me, I like to put them on, you know, I feel like there's enough money in this world and space for all of us. So if I'm shining, I want you to shine and we can all shine together. When people open up a business and trust that they know what they're doing, I'll definitely send them business. If it's a good restaurant, if it's a tire shop, whatever the case may be, because it's a struggle. This whole life is a struggle. And I want to see everybody be successful and succeed. We're all in this for the same reason, to feed our families and to live happy lives. And the more people that are successful with their business and their lives, the happier we will be. It's honestly a pleasure for me to see another man rise and get to where he is. And often they do say, hey, man, you know, thank you for sending me that guy. You know, we fixed his car. He paid me 1500 bucks and, you know, I even saved him some money. And on the other hand, the client that I'm sending him says, hey, Juan, thanks a lot, man. You know, that dude did a really good job on my car. You know, I went to the dealership. They wanted to charge me five grand or something. So it's it's little things like that, little pieces to the puzzle to complete the whole picture. And we all take place in it. And I'm just trying to do my part and help out families, help out businesses. Man, most most people are not that uh, unselfish. <laughs> most people are not that unselfish at all, man. You're a very unselfish person. And, uh, and there's this other thing too, like that we t- talked about the last time I was at the gym, we were talking with uh, Al from Bayland Bicycles, the other barbers, even the customers. Like, that's what I love the most. Everyone goes there, everyone's chopping it up. Like everyone's yeah. going, everyone was talking about cookie crumble, what everyone do. I was like, oh, I'm going to cookie crumble. We're yeah. talking about donuts. Well, I'll be back. I'm going to buy some donuts. <laughs> yeah. Everyone starts like, you know, it, it goes off, kicks off. But we were talking to, um, I don't know if it was one of the customers or Al. I think Al said someone wanted to do something extra with business. And you're like, well, I'll talk about it. Like, oh, no, Al. He was talking about thinking about, he was thinking about something. And you're all, talk about it. Bring it to life. Talk about sure. it. Bring it to life. Like, what do you mean by that? Because that's a mindset right there. Like to talk about something, to bring it to life. If you can elaborate on that. So people that are listening to this, they could bring their their thoughts to life, bring their wishes to life so they could actually be real. Got to manifest it. You know, people have a lot of good ideas. You know, people think good stuff all the time, but you talk about it to be about it. If you don't believe in yourself enough to speak out loud about what you're thinking or what you're saying, nobody else is going to believe in you. You have to believe it so bad that you make other people believe it. I was talking, as soon as I seen that barbershop, I knew I wanted to be, I was telling people right away, hey man, I'm going to open up a barbershop soon. I don't know where it's going to be, but look out for me, okay? (laughs) you mean man you you don't even know how to cut hair i still believe it what i want to be when you know when i graduate when i do this and 
And you got to let people know, you know, some people think talking about it's bad because someone's going to steal my idea or someone's going to do it. But that's not the case. You know, if someone steals your idea, that's even good because that's letting you know that you were smart enough to come up with an idea that somebody else wants. And you're going to have plenty of ideas. That was just a small grain of sand on the beach because your mind is going to explode into all these other ideas that one of them's going to hit. And you just talk about it and the other people are going to give you input. They're going to say, you know what? You're thinking about doing spinner rims on bicycles. I've seen someone do spinner rims on a car and that's possible. I think they hooked up with this company out of Japan and they got them made for $2 a rim or something. And you take notes, take notes, keep a notebook, or now you got notes on your phone and uh, soak everything in like a sponge. Like I said, life's a puzzle. You're not going to believe the pieces that these other people are holding. So when they tell you something, oh, he got his made in China. Boom, write that down. Whatever your plan is, there are alleys and avenues to help you reach your destination point. But if you don't talk about it, you don't manifest it, you don't share it with people, you're closing a lot of doors, you're keeping them closed. What you want to do is open as many doors as you want, as you can, to be able to piece your puzzle together. And that's what I was trying to tell them. Talk about it. Don't worry about if other people are going to try to steal your idea, because what you want to do is figure out how other people did it, see where they were successful and see where they failed. And as many stories as you get, you know, you might be able to come up with one successful plan out of all these plans. It's kind of like building a bike, you know, you get five or six broken bikes, you're going to make one good bike out of those five or six broken bikes. So that's how life is. Take note and, and soak it all up and manifest your own destiny. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. You know, if they say it's not on the menu, bake it yourself. That's how you do it. That's how you got to live life. And that's like, to say this too, like uh, when people tell you you can't, they're just um, misery. I, I like to say misery loves company, man. Misery loves yeah. company. So like just because they're probably feeling some type of way about themselves personally, they don't want to see you shine because misery loves company, you know? Well, so if they tell you you can't. Maybe they can't. Yeah, maybe they but can, you can. But you can. And, and you can't let one person discourage you from living your dream, living your goal. Like, like man, I'm sure the first astronaut, the dude when he was a kid, I'm going to go to space. They're like, yeah, you're out to rabid mind you know yeah. like, yeah. I mean, it's my yeah, bad shit crazy you know like now yeah. like, now look at you know we doing this all the time now and um so you have to speak about speak it because like i i like to tell my tell my i used to tell kids all this i'm sure you probably heard this uh saying too when you're a kid like can you walk into bubblegum like walk into bubblegum you know talk about it be about it you know talk the talk walk the walk like right. so if you could do this you could talk the talk but walk the walk the only way you're going to do that guess what conversations right 100 like conversations is going to get you anywhere you need to go and that's what um that's what you were basically telling homeboy that day like hey conversations talk about it even if you got to speak about it out loud to the wall just 
just don't answer back because then people might think you're crazy. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. just, <laughs> just talk out loud, you know, and you never know where it's going to get you. And that was real guy. I went home after that. And I, I had to see you about it. I go, man, he was saying, like, talk about it, man. Bring it to life. Like, talk about it. Manifesting. You know, you keep talking about it. Sometimes people are like, man, you're always talking. It's like, well, at least I'm doing something. Well, you're just sitting there doing nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Exactly. You make it. You make it happen. You, you know? make it happen. And that's what you did. Like, you guys even told the story after that, like when you were talking about like uh, talk, <laughs> talk about it, bring its life. And then they're like, yeah, Juan was up in what? Was it Tahoe? You're up in Tahoe. Like, yeah, I got a barber shop down the street. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were selling it so damn good. They opened the door to you. <laughs> they really did. That event we went to was for business owners only. In but Tahoe, right? <laughs> and I told them, you know, I'm thinking about possibly opening up a shop here in town which I did stop by and go look at a unit that was up for rent and called the lady and seen how much it was renting for and stuff like that. But, you know, just BSing, talking, and we (laughs) our way into an event. (laughs) I know, when I heard it, I was like, what? Because I I was talking about, he was like, yeah, uh, old boy said he had a barbershop for years. Dude, he didn't even have a (laughs) barbershop. Like I got a barbershop, and but hey, guess what? You got two barbershops now. Like you're living the life, man. You brought you manifested your own destiny, you know. And go back to what the first question, which you're curious about your future. You want to manifest your own destiny, and you're the. If any individual is going to do it, one, you're going to do it. You've been doing it since day one, you know. And yeah. and uh, that's like, man, that's that's good stuff. And and then also too, like you're about diversity. You're about like helping everybody, no matter the color of their skin. No matter about what tracks side of the whatever side of tracks they grew up on. Yeah. And and then like no matter what they're going through, the struggles too, because you even you even uh, open your space for alcohol anonymous classes too. Like you're willing to help anybody no matter what they're going through. What do you tell your kids about that? Like when you're teaching your kids, like you know, you're a father. So what do you teach your kids about diversity, about acceptance? How do you explain this to them? Well, I have uh Two children that are half black. I have a daughter that's half white, and I got two half Latinos. So at <laughs> home they diverse. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that answer. <laughs> Girl, but, diversity is in the house, bro. <laughs> but uh, you know, basically just human kindness, be friendly to anybody, and uh try to help everyone, but especially the ones who are helping themselves. Because those are the people that are really trying, you know. Here in the Bay Area, we got a lot of homeless. Most of these homeless people are homeless because of drug addiction. And, you know, we tried to help out some guy one time. We we took him some soup and some chicken. And, and he's like, I don't want that. I don't want that. I, I need $20. Or, you know, give me a bottle or something. And, and we, I told my kids, I said, see, some people are not willing to take the help that they need and don't feel bad about it. I didn't go buy him a bottle, but I said, okay, sir, have a good day. I'll just, I, you looked hungry and cold. So we, we brought this for you, but sorry to say is we can only help those that want to be helped, you know, and my children know if they see someone struggling, someone's got a flat tire, somebody looks cold. Yeah. Give them a jacket. Give the guy $5, help him change his tire, mijo, you know, if you can. But that's just how I grew up. 
like I said, I believe in God. You know, I, I go to church. But even besides all that, people need, need to be good to one another. We're all in this together. And, and, and that's before the pandemic. We've been in this together. There's no, it doesn't make sense to laugh at someone when they fall down or to be happy that someone's not successful. You know, as sad as it is, you know, it makes people feel good that they're doing better than somebody else. But at the same time, we should all do good. You know, and my kids know that. They know I would take my shirt off for the next guy if he needed it. And they're pretty much the same way. I, God blessed me with three beautiful daughters and, and they're really sensitive about helping the world. You know, one of them's doing marine biology. My other daughter, she wants to be an art major, but they have really good hearts and, and they're in it. They, they see what I do. And we made tamales for the homeless a couple years back before the pandemic. And my daughters all helped out. I think we made about, I think when I counted, it was like 96 tamales or 106 right. tamales like that. And we fed the poor, you know, and we kept it on the low. You know, I don't post up on social media and try to get praised for the stuff that I do. We did it in Irvington, right there at the Irvington Monument. And people showed up and they ate. And my daughters were very happy to be a part of it because, you know, what feels better than seeing somebody else happy and knowing that you contributed to that happiness? I don't know if that's weird about me or, or my family, but that's like the greatest pleasure I could have is seeing somebody else take pleasure in something that I did for them or helped them out with. It's truly satisfying, Dave. Man, that's good shit. That's good. Like, man, that's compassion. That's empathy. That's more. And that's, that's what this world needs, bro. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it needs. Instead of people staying closed off, you know, like, okay, right here, um, you call it, right? Like you're on the Ecala podcast. What do you call it? Like in a quick nutshell, what it translates to is um, a strong path forward, finding your inner warrior, your warrior within yourself through community. Like you're going to find who you are through community, not alone. And it doesn't matter about anything that came before it. We're going forward. This is a strong foundation. We're building a path forward built through community. So what does community mean to you? Like you're telling me already, I kind of already, like we all probably were hearing it. What community is, is compassion, is empathy. But if you could tell us more, like how much is, is building your community? How much is building the Fremont community important to you? Well, it, it is important because um, we're all here and everyone just needs to know their role, you know, and if you don't know a role, join a community and take a role because everyone has their own talents, abilities. And believe me, no matter what it is, you can contribute to your community, even if it's just by being a good listener. Some people just want to talk and vent. And if you can be a good listener to them, you're playing a good role in your community. Whether it's a physical community, mental community, or relationships, um, people come together. Some are stronger than others. Everyone has strengths. Everyone has their weaknesses. 
And it is important to have a good community because, you know, for example, here at the barbershop, I got a great advantage because, like you said, we got people with tire shops, people with restaurants, people with gyms like yourself. No matter what you need, there is someone in your community to help you. And as long as you know you're a part of that community, it just makes you so much stronger. You know, nobody has to be alone. When you're in a community, there's strength. There's strength in numbers. And we're all like pillars holding up this big old house. And the more pillars, the better. And when somebody's a little weak, they're cracking, they're failing, that's when other people in the community got to come and hold them up and uh, keeping us all strong, keeping us all alive. And as long as you know, you know, you can't do it all alone, but together, united with others, you can, you can, and you will get through whatever situation you're facing. Man, that's, that's deep. That's good stuff right there. And, and, and you ask me, I'm sure you ask anybody that goes into that barbershop, you're a pillar of the community. Like you're always giving back and you're always there to lend a hand. And no matter what, no matter the color of your skin, no matter what struggle you're going through, you're there to help. And, and, and man, I'm grateful for it. And I'm it's sure right. others are too, you know, before we wrap it up, we have this uh, also too, we like to ask, like we call it a call to action. So if you could give someone, if you could give someone advice that are listening to the podcast right now, well, when they listen to it, a call to action, say in a building community, what would you tell them to do? What advice would you give them? Well, call to action. A lot of it has to do with, you know, you're calling, you know, you're being called. You see somebody struggling. You feel like you have the ability to fill in that void somewhere where they, when they're in need, you should. Too many people don't step up to the plate anymore. We see women being disrespected on buses, on the street, on a daily basis. And instead of a, a guy standing up and saying, hey, man, you shouldn't talk to her like that, bro. Hey, that's a woman. You know, people poodle up and they think it's called minding your own business. But in reality, that person, she needed you, man. That little kid that fell down and you've seen him with his bike fell, his chain fell off his bike and, and you just drove by, looked at him. That kid needed you. Anything. It could be anything. When you know in your mind someone needed help, help them out. And I think that's the best way to call to your community. Man, you guys heard it right there is, is do not mind your own business. Be of assistance. Be be uh, the, the brother to your fellow man, man, uh, your fellow woman, whoever it may be, a kid, whatnot. You heard it. Call to action is, is to help. You see something, don't just mind your business. You, don't, you help out. Conversations, community, that's what it's all about. If anybody has any questions or if anybody wants a real great haircut, where could they find you? Uh, uh, what's your email address? If you would like to give an email address so someone could, if they want to, they could reach out to you. Yeah, 100%. My email is Don Juan the barber at yahoo.com. That's a D O N J U A N D A the word barber at yahoo.com. And there you guys heard it, man, from Don Juan, the barber himself, man, about community 
empathy, compassion, and manifesting your own destiny. If you guys have any questions or again, like I said, a great haircut, reach out to them and, and get it in, man. Have a good day. Thank you so much for joining us and for being on the podcast, Juan. Appreciate I'll see you around town, man. Okay, man. Good God, God bless everyone. Good luck in life. Thank you so much for listening. But wait, we want to keep you updated and continue to be inspired and motivated. Follow us on our Instagram page at Ecola Strong. We'll see you on the next episode.